Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Open Philosophy Cast. My name is Jake Watson, the deepest man in the jiu-jitsu community. Uh, an open book, really, if the book was a bajillion pages. Uh, Danny O'Donnell is my co-host. The O'Donnell, I saw him uh, yesterday, and just seeing the the smile on this man's face live and in person, it just it does the body well. And uh, also, Electron Performance does do the body well. Much better than any Danny O'Donnell smile, and that's saying something. So go to their app and download it and do some squats and uh, call up that girl. I'm sure she'll appreciate the squats you've been doing. My name is Jake Watson, and I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell for the Open Guardcast episode 96. And we are joined by good friend, longtime uh, competitor in the Arizona community, Adrian Nez. Also winner of the Sapatero Invitational back in March. Incre a very impressive performance. Uh, and I had some questions about that and uh, what your plans are for the future. But moreover, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Just got done training, so just relaxing for the rest of the day, hopefully. Very nice. And I see you're drinking a very nice purple smoothie there. What's in that smoothie? Um, apparently, acai. <laughs> apparently. You can never trust American smoothie companies. No, no, you can't. You can't. No. So that's why I'm saying apparently. <laughs> well, man. It's good to have you on. Uh, this is actually a long, I feel like a long time coming too. 96 episodes of the Open Guard cast. It's kind of cool to, you know, because I remember when I was starting out in the community, just competing a whole bunch. It was, you were one of the people that I was, that were always in my bracket. And it's kind of cool to be able to grow. And now we're all black belts and we're able to kind of just partake in this rise together. I think it's very, uh, it's very cool. Yeah, no, it is. I've always enjoyed competing against you. And yeah. <laughs> it's been a war after war after war. Uh, it's, and it's always something different too. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's like I've, it's, I've never once said, oh, okay, I know how to fight against Adrian. It's always <laughs> like, all right, here we go. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge pleasure, man. Yeah. I mean, we fought at least six times. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's insane. Like that type of like, that just doesn't happen very often. How yeah, many no. Gi, how many nogi? I don't know, dude. It's been since Purple Belt. Like yeah. in Nogi, uh, this uh, the last time I've never been my my I was puckered the whole time, just f frightened uh, <laughs> of leg entries and all sorts of of stuff down at Jiu Jitsu World League. This last time I was I, I I was definitely like, what do I do? So I just tried to do uh I tried to do double under and like knee cutting the whole time, and I I think like I just. I just didn't really understand because I've seen you do nogi and you're very smooth with the leg entries. You're very and I like I I watched the Sapatero Invitational and I had to like stop myself. I was like, okay, I gotta be studying this. I can't just be enjoying this. You know what I mean? I can't just be watching this like a like a friend. I gotta be watching this like how am I gonna deal with this? Because you fought a lot of the people that were in the Emerald City Invitational. You you competed against. Um, and I was wondering uh, if you had any plans to compete in that tournament next time they come around. Or if you uh, are lobbying to get into any super fight shows uh, coming up, um, I actually was supposed to do the Emerald City. Mm. I yeah, I injured my rib in the uh, semifinals at Sapatero that day. Yeah, so that prevented me from doing the uh, Emerald City. They were supposed to actually get me a fight, I believe. With there was talks of Jason Rao, so I would have a super fight with Jason Rao that day. Um, so I'm I'm very bummed that I got as badly injured as I did. Like it was I actually What exactly took, happened? Oh, it is the most ridiculous injury I've ever had happen to me <laughs> on the mat. Um <laughs> It's actually embarrassing to recount. So I passed my opponent's guard. This was in the semifinals. And he captures my arm from side control. So he's on bottom. He captures my arm. And he puts in this Nogi Ezekiel from bottom side control. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm just like, this isn't going to work. There's no way, the, the, the disrespect, you know. Um, <laughs> and then lo and behold, I start choking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only thing I could think to do was to free my arm, which was stuck in between his legs. So I bring my own leg up to kind of shove his legs off of my arm. And in doing that, I seem to have just turned my uh, my body a little bit too far to the right and popped one of my uh, one of my ribs in doing that. So you popped your own rib. I popped my own rib. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. What was the recovery process like following that uh, injury? Uh, it, rib injuries are the worst. I've had two this past year. It, it seems to be you just 
don't do anything. That and that's I've only ever heard bad things about recovery from rib injuries because of that because it's the recovery process is literally stop. Yeah, yeah. It's not like there these are these exercises you can do. There's there's it's the worst. And every doctor tells you the same thing. They're like, well, it doesn't really matter if it's broken or not because what I'm going to tell you is going to be exactly the same. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so my next question is, and this is my last one regarding the Sapatero Invitational. Or actually, have, uh, uh, yeah, last one. Uh, the tomahawk that they gave you, is that a real axe? Like, is that an axe? They, they gave you an axe yes, because you a, won? It's a legitimate hatchet, yes. That is sick. It's wonderful. I've, I've, I've never had the opportunity to hang out. Well, actually, I have. I have. One time. I hung out with Josh LaDuke. But it was only for like an hour. Uh, mm. That is crazy. He gave an axe for the winner. That is like, I think that's hilarious. That's sick. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I've had to keep my mom away from it because she really <laughs> wants to like use it as a hatchet. <laughs> you know, chopping wood with it. I'm like, no. It, that that's that's a beautiful act. <laughs> so horribly dangerous. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's actually really sharp. It's quite. I mean, like, it's nothing like a Naga sword, which are like glorified <laughs> toys, you know. Yes. Yeah, I saw in your post it says, "Eat your heart out, Naga, with your crappy swords." <laughs> yeah. Mass production of 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 swords there. I'm sure Josh Duke probably spends a lot of t like he hires somebody to make an axe for his event. Like a oh, yeah, like a no, it's myth. it's really cool. It's got like a Norris dude on it, like engraved into the side of it. That is you pretty know? cool. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that like Patriot voiceover as I like uh you know, you know I have long feared that my sins will return. You know, it's <laughs> like as I'm laying my axe into like I don't know whatever compartment and in my house i choose to put it in you know <laughs> well that's it's a, a harsh visual you just gave me because the only scene i remember from the patriot is when he's hacking the dude's face over and over with the hatchet and yeah. i that's what i just pictured i don't really remember the whole movie the patriot so i just thought you were referring to hacking someone mercilessly no 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 i mean no <laughs> i mean, <laughs> I mean I maybe <laughs> oh man well, I have a few more questions about the Sapatero. So you had three matches to, to win the event? Let me see. One, two, three, four, I think. I think four, I had four. Okay. So yeah. you hurt your rib in the semifinal, you said. Who did you fight in the final? Uh, Sam, Sammy Barbosa, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about that match? Because that was probably a bit of a challenge, especially with the rib injury. Um. Yeah, it was. I mean, I almost actually pulled out after the rib injury. Like, I legitimately just really couldn't move very well with that injury. Uh, <laughs> my opponent who uh, I injured it with thought I was getting tired in the match because I kept, like, exhaling, like, <gasps> you know? But I'm mm -hmm. like, no, it was just me grimacing in pain every time you tried to pass my car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, so, like, I almost pulled out of the tournament, but uh, it's actually kind of a funny story there. I The reason I decided to keep going was because I knew I had a plus 500 odd put on me, which was not only offensive, but also I recommended that all my friends and family uh, put bets on me. So, Dude, I didn't get that text message for the bet. <laughs> I didn't get that either. I'm sorry, guys. But I... I just couldn't like pull out of a tournament after, you know, people put money on me potentially. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to my great surprise and dismay, when I got home, I found out nobody actually uh, put their money where oh, their mouth was in bed on me. I was so hurt. I mean, they all had their excuses. Like they actually did send money, but because of the time differences between East Coast and West Coast, like the it had closed down. But. At least it motivated me to go out there and uh, try to win, which I did. So, yeah, it worked out. It all worked out in the end. Yeah. Looking to the future, Adrian, next time you enter into a bracket, I'm just going to bet on you anyway. Not only are you my <laughs> friend, but I actually know you can win. <laughs> so I've seen some ridiculous odds. Uh, you know, like I think this last who's number one, Andrew, this is not a ridiculous odd. Sorry, I framed that weird. Um, 
I think putting Andrew Tackett was the favorite versus Mika Galvao, correct? He was the underdog. Oh, he was the underdog. Yeah, Mika was a minus one eighty-five. I don't gamble. Danny, someone just told me. I don't gamble. I just remember every single odd of every single fight that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I remember like there's been there's been some odds that were just like absolutely ridiculous. And uh, and then the other guy like dominates the fight. You went out there and you looked fantastic. I watched all your matches and and it looked great. I would have thought that you, uh, in your first fight, you fought somebody who was a favorite, right? It was your first match that you you beat somebody who was. I believe Whoa. my second match, I beat the guy who beat the favorite and oh. was actually one of the favorites too. Yeah. What was his name? Um, Ryan Atkins. Ryan Atkins, something like that. I think it was yeah. Ryan Atkins, yeah. Yeah, there we go, yeah. I'm not good with names. I'm really terrible that way. <laughs> <It's okay. Don't laughs> but yeah, no, he was pretty tough. I mean, it was a very back-and-forth match, I thought. Um, very technical. He was uh, a bit defensive, in my opinion, but like he also put some forward pressure, too, so it was, it was a good match. It was a good match. I managed to uh, secure a Kyotera uh, footlock in that one. Yep. You've hit me with that before. Flashbacks there, Jake. Dude, <laughs> awful. Uh, that was the okay. So you want to hear? Oh, I've never got to tell you this story. So I, uh, I freaking dude. That was American Nationals. You caught me in like fifteen seconds, and I remember just getting off the mat and being like, "Oh my gosh, uh, that was like so quick." And I and I was like, never mad at you because me and you have such a like, dude. You could. You could heel hook me in 30 seconds and I'd be like, damn it. <laughs> like I would just be like, whatever. It's not I'm not that kind of guy. But uh I actually quit a job because of you. I, I I was working at a bar and once you did that, I was like, no. I was like, that sucks. Ouch. Jiu-jitsu like that's the only thing now. This is the only thing, dude. I'm gonna freaking just pour everything into that. But dude, you um what's crazy is you did it on my other foot, and I've never seen anybody go for the cow lock on that foot. Uh, so dude, like, oh, no, you're looking at, dude, do that because do that face because I definitely, uh, I definitely was a dummy for not, for not studying jujitsu at all, <laughs> but dude, it was amazing. And I, and I never got to like tell you that that was uh, a really, really good submission, but also you hurt my foot. Uh, so F you, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but that was, that was a, that was crazy. And you fought Gabrielle Almeida like next match, right? Uh, it wasn't Gabriella Meda. It was uh, Jonah Toss Gracie. True. And I, you know what? You don't really compete in the gi anymore, do you? No, I don't. I, so I've, I've been in college for like the last five years. So my training schedule has really been like two times a week and almost all no gi. Mm-hmm. Training so two, like, two times a week? Two times a week, maybe, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah so really like, high level for only two times a week. So yeah, I mean it's it's been rough, but it's been almost all all nogi. And I remember talking to you about training, like when you were away at school, because you were in New Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about like uh, where you trained when you were in New Mexico and kind of? Oh yeah, no. Just train nogi. Um. So there were two schools in Santa Fe that were pretty solid. Uh, there was a Gracie Baja down there, which has been there forever. Um, and there was a uh, there's a 10th planet down there uh, that is pretty solid as well. Really, the choice is pretty silly, which was just there were more younger guys at the 10th planet. So I didn't feel terrible about, you know, throwing them around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you get an ageism lawsuit filed against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was also just the fact that, you know, um, it was a really great group of people. Uh, the person who was running the gym for the last two years I was there was Luis Castillo. Um, and he's just one of those people who is very fascinated with jujitsu. So even though, you know, he doesn't get all the, you know, he doesn't compete as much. He doesn't get all the recognition. He still has enough interest to where he, you can discuss ideas at a high level with him, you know, and it, that definitely is something that's actually harder to find than tough training partners. You know, somebody who's just willing to talk with you about how a heel hook works or how, you know, how to stop a barambolo. That's actually harder to find than people who can, you know, make you work. Yeah. 
So yeah, it, it was, that was my, that's kind of why I made my choice. That's awesome. I, I feel like there's some, uh, I don't, I don't want to say like stigma, but there's certain ideas about 10th planet that people in the jiu-jitsu community have, like they only work rubber guard or, you know, they have like these certain techniques and they're talking about conspiracy theories all the time. Like what was your experience like at the 10th planet? <laughs> was it like, was it more open-minded than people kind of give that association credit for? Um, so here's the thing, like, I think like a lot of the stereotypes are true. And but I mean, like, I think it's true, mostly because 10th Planet accepts people who are a bit stranger than other gyms will. I mean, I feel like they're at home there. And it, so like you, you know, you have like your your kind of out there 10th Planet guy who thinks the world is flat, but you also have like, the very nerdy college student who probably just feels more comfortable at a 10th planet than he would anywhere else. Who's obviously okay. not a flat earther and, you know, all that other good, good stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's the most nicest way to say that. That's the nicest way to dismiss a flat earther I've ever heard. All well, that fun. stuff. It's felt- fun. I mean, it's fun to talk to people about these things because, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, and I, I personally find it's insane. I mean, I have a friend who is a flat earther, but it just it boggles the mind. And it, it also, it's very mind-expanding, too, because one of the things that always frustrates me about people who talk with flat earthers is they actually don't know how to argue with flat earthers. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like constant appeals to authority. You're like, well, all the scientists say you're wrong. It's like, that's just not going to float with these people, man. You have to actually like get down okay. and dirty with them, you know. <laughs> okay, so Adrian Nez, I'm a flat earther. Uh, a- a- Adrian, dude, the earth, the earth is flat. Prove me wrong. Um, pretty much my fallback argument was always that uh, the Ptolemaic model was based on the Earth being round. This is the model that came up before Copernicus put the uh, sun at the center of the uh, solar system, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a relatively accurate model insofar as sailors to this day still will use Ptolemy to navigate. So even modern day sailors would have to be in on this conspiracy while using Ptolemy's model. And I just don't think your everyday sailor is in on it with the government trying to keep you from believing that the earth is flat. Like just how many people would... Yeah, that would be a good question, too. I the existence I mean, of time zones. Yeah, they also have to come up with a theory for how um, for how you're stuck to the surface of the Earth. True. Because if gravity is true, what would actually end up occurring is as you went towards the edge of the Earth, the pull of gravity would become so much stronger because there'd just be so much more mass from where you had started. Yeah, from the center. So it'd be like walking uphill. What, what I want to know because this has opened up a can of worms for me. Oh dear. <laughs> is why do you know so much about round earth apologetics? <laughs> like you are incredibly knowledgeable on how to debunk the flat earth argument. At what point did you decide I need to research that the earth is actually round? Um I think I'm an incredibly gullible person at the end of the day. Okay. And I, I don't mean that in like the sense of like I'll believe anything, but if I'm one of those people where if you tell me something is true, I will probably believe you. Because if I don't see anything wrong with the idea, I just it doesn't occur to me to dismiss it. Mm. That sounds so strange and so stupid, but I mean I kind of felt there's this story about Thomas Aquinas where, you know, uh Thomas, you know, his, his, his priestly brothers decided they were going to play a trick on him because Thomas Aquinas was famously gullible and they, they yell, Thomas, Thomas, look out the window, pigs are flying. And Thomas runs to the window and uh, he looks out the window and, you know, there are no pigs flying and everybody's laughing at him. They're like, Thomas, how could you believe that pigs were flying? And he said, well, I'd rather believe that pigs fly than brothers be liars. I think that's kind of how I feel about things. I, I just, I'm very open to what people say, and I'm, I want to know the reasons for why they believe things in general. 
and I have a hard time dismissing things. Like once an it'll, once an idea gets into my head, I kind of have to dismiss it, you know, manually, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> that's really yeah. that's a really good model though, because you like trust first, unless they give you a reason not to. On a serious note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. It is gullible, but I I've worked with it. <laughs> that's okay. I, you know what's funny is I I feel that a little bit as well. I think I just have an easier time. Like if somebody brings up something that is quite obviously conspiratorial, I think would be the word. Then I can be like conspiratorial. What? Uh, that's a word. I don't know. <laughs> then I'll be like, okay, Alex Jones, riddle me this, you know? <laughs> so, but, mm -hmm. uh, but that's, I think it's a, actually, that can be an endearing quality to have. Yeah, no, I think it, I, I like to think it is. Also, I mean, like, <laughs> I hope it's an endearing quality at the very least. <laughs> I know I look like an idiot oftentimes, but I mean, like, at least on occasion, it, it, it does bear fruit. Like, you know, I can, I know my flat earth apologetics for whatever it's worth, <laughs> which is no, something man. nobody needs to know. Like, Listen. literally, you could go your entire life not being able to debunk a flat earther and live a very happy life. This is literally the most valuable, in a way, to a certain group of people. We just saved lives here on the Open Guardcast. <laughs> Some tenth planet blue belt is going to click on this episode, thinking, "Man, I can't wait to learn about heel hooks," and then they're going to just their whole world is going to be rocked on its axis, and <laughs> <laughs> it's going to just change their life. Adrian Ness. Uh, I I I I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> So I'm going to bring it back to jiu-jitsu. Is there anything you learned at 10th Planet being like so open-minded that you added to your game that you didn't that you were maybe more closed-minded to before you started training there? Uh no, they really helped my game out. I mean like the I think one of the things that kind of happens to you especially if you're a um IBJJF competitor is you focus on like two or three moves and you get very very good at them. Um and I often had the philosophy that that was probably the best way to go. I actually, the way I kind of like put together my game was I kind of just had a couple moves and I would work to narrow down the amount of options as best as I could to force people or funnel people down towards my game as quickly as possible. I mean, I think Danny can attest to this when rolling with me, like, I would say, like, I don't know, when were we rolling most often? Like 2016, something like that? Uh, like 17, I think. Yeah. 17 into 18. All I did was Barambolo. Yeah. <laughs> it was my one move. I spammed it. <laughs> spammed it. Um, inside and outside Barambolo. Inside and outside Barambolo. <laughs> and I, I knee cut. Like, that's, that, that was all I did. I think going to 10th Planet, I realized it's okay to have more than uh, three moves, <laughs> as dumb as that sounds. <laughs> Um, they, they definitely like, and I think that's becoming more and more a thing, like, especially as like sub only becomes a thing. I think people have broader games than they mm -hmm. used to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I, ju I just think as a rule set, it permits that a bit more. It permits a little bit more open play. Yeah. So would you feel like that, like training at 10th planet along with competing in different rule sets? Cause I, primarily when we trained, you were competing mostly IBJJF. I know mm -hmm. like. You used to do like Grappler's Quest and other Nogi type tournaments back in the day, but do you feel like competing in different rule sets like Sapatero and some of these sub only events, does that change your game as well? Oh yeah, tremendously. I think I'm a lot better at finishing people now. I mean, that, that that's obvious, but I mean, I think that is something that a lot of point players actually struggle with and are afraid to admit is that there, there are two types of submissions that sub only players get. Either it's their, their go-to submission that they hit on like everybody when that opportunity arises or they hit a submission because somebody was struggling to not get scored on so those seem to me to be the majority of submissions in point oriented matches you don't get the submissions that come when somebody has no obligation to escape mm -hmm. that that's the real challenge of submitting somebody is if they have no obligation to actually get out of a position and it's frustrating. Like, I lost my first EBI rule set 
tournament to uh, Keith Krikorian, who, you know, I outsized by quite a lot. And at the time, I was technically much better than in my opinion. Like, it was, it was one of the most frustrating matches in my entire life because I remember passing his guard what felt like 10 times, getting to mount maybe five or six times, getting to submission holds a couple times and just not being able to finish and then him beating me in EBI overtime. And I remember walking away from that tournament and just hating the rule set with an ardent passion. I just, <laughs> deep, deep hatred for EBI rule sets. So yeah, I mean, coming to terms with the rules, I don't necessarily think that it's the best rule set, but I mean, at least coming to terms with the rules has changed my perspective a lot on a lot of things. And I think has improved my game quite a bit. So I maintain the stance that EBI rule set is possibly the worst rule set in all of jujitsu. <laughs> uh, and not withholding, I disagree with many rule sets. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I, uh, what, what is your favorite rule set to compete in? Oh gosh, I think quintets are actually my favorite rule set. That seems what to me to be set? the that seems to me to be the best um, solution to the sub only time constraint uh, problem. Because mm -hmm. we could just you know say sub only should just be no time limit, two guys go at it. But who wants to watch a forty minute long match? I mean, even mm -hmm. though I I'm a big fan of jujitsu, I, I I don't have the you know mental stamina to watch two guys roll around for forty minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what Quintet does, how the rule set works, is um, the the teams they pick their roster and they set up they set up the roster according to a given order, and then uh, they send out the first two guys. And if there's a win, the guy who won stays in the middle and fights the next guy of the opposing team's roster. But if there's a draw, both people are kicked out, and then mm -hmm. the next two people come in. So it, it solves the time constraint problem without having to resort to EBI rules immediately. Because, you know, if the whole roster draws, then it does go to EBI rules at the end. But we're at least for now avoiding the, the EBI rule set. What's the time limit on the first match? Um, I think it varies tournament to tournament. It's a pretty flexible rule set. Mm. Yeah. What do you think I like it. A, what do you think of who's number one? Because I think the more I watch it the more i kind of like the rule set because it's it's not like fight to win where the judges make decisions based on just submission attempts there's also a positional aspect to it mm -hmm. but it is submission only you're not getting points and i feel like the time the, the length is it's not too long but um i feel like it can go the full 15 minutes and i'm not bored at the end of it i don't know if you guys feel the same way but yeah, I like who's number one. I mean, I, that that is my big complaint about fight to win is that somebody can dominate positionally and still end up losing, which seems ridiculous, mm -hmm. especially when you see some of the submissions that end up uh, actually deciding the fight. You're just kind of like, that was a submission attempt. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I like who's number one. Um, they end up being pretty good matches. I think... There are some exceptions, but it seems it definitely does seem to be the athlete's fault. But that's the problem with all rule sets is like ultimately if the match isn't exciting, it's not the rules fault. It's the athlete's fault. Yeah, like I've, uh, I've said that for a while. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like just I, I, that boring match. That, who was it? Uh, Wagner. Two, that that was awful to watch. I hated <laughs> watching that match. I, I really wanted it to just be like, all right, let's just do combat jiu-jitsu, guys. Like, legitimately just start slapping each other, please. Uh, it'd be fun. Wagner would have loved that, actually. Yeah, he would have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His hands are gigantic. Yeah, they were, like, He's... rubbing each other's foreheads. I'm like, guys, I don't know about that game plan. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. I mean, I think Wagner is one of those weirdos who, like, doesn't just like hitting people, but he likes getting hit. Like, he just likes fighting. Like, like Kind of like that football aspect. Like, let's just go. Let's do this. We're going to crash into each other. It's great. No. I do like Wagner's spirit, but that mid that match was that was awful. That was bad. Yeah. What uh, do you think of the who's number one rule set, Jake? I don't mind it. I think it's um I it's kind of hard to see who the judges are favoring because they don't usually include it. Mm -hmm. Like Well, they they did start doing it at this event where they like had 
a section of the match where they would call out who the judges were favoring at that moment. Oh, okay. example, I didn't notice that. Yeah, with Mika and Tackett, that was just the first example that popped into my head. But about like five minutes into the match, they showed that Mika was ahead in the match on the judges' scorecard so far. And then they would mm -hmm. do that again like five minutes later or so. Maybe oh, so like every five minutes it'd be like, all right, cool, this is who's winning? Yeah, this is okay. who's leading on the judges' scorecard at this point in time. Okay. I think if the if they just made it a little more apparent to the fans at home watching, like with like, I don't know, like a little marker next to the diagram on the screen or whatever, then it'd be it would be a little uh, cooler. I, d I have heard complaints about the slipperiness of the mat, uh, just the dollar quality. I've heard that people were like slipping and sliding. I talked to a, a Josh Hanger actually, and, and he said that it's just like a slippery mat. And uh, I, I don't like that, of course. Like that, that kind of sucks. Or whatever, the logos I don't know why. And, and I think Dolomir mats are. I'm. I don't know. I. I don't want to sound like a jujitsu snob, right? Like like zebra mats <laughs> are nothing. But like, I think that the one of the strengths of zebra mats or Fuji mats is you don't slide. Like yeah, it's a little more rough. Yeah, you not. You know, it's not as soft as Dolomir mats, but at least you're not sliding around. Uh, I think Dolomir mats, like without a turf over it, it can be pretty. Because fight to win, you don't slip on either. Like fight to win is, it's it's a turf. Um, are you gonna compete on fight to win, dude? When it comes down to Arizona, I registered for it. Uh, I registered for it before the schedule changed. Do you have to re-register for now that they changed oh. the schedule? I should probably I just re-register. I, I feel weird. I feel weird. Like you could message like him too. Guy. Yeah, I could. I could. Yeah, you can message him and be like, "Hey, I registered. I want to fight." Yeah, no, I I should, probably should directly me message him. I've almost gotten on fight to win a couple times, but uh, last time the closest I got to it, it just they couldn't find a match for me. It was, mm -hmm. it was very frustrating. Dude, People you'd kept be great. Backing out. You was, would be great on fight to win, dude. They would they would really like your style because they want finishers. Like they want people, and uh, I don't know how I keep on getting fights, but uh, they they want people who who freaking try to just like if you go out there and you get like a 30 second submission they'll definitely bring you back because they're like all right cool <laughs> like we need to meet a guy to go against him because he just want to fight in 30 seconds um and you're black belt now so you'd be able to fight like i mean you could tell him you won sapatera invitation be like oh cool look at that all right let's mm -hmm. get him a fight uh i think seth kind of appreciates people who take the initiative to to message and be like hey listen like i want to fight i applied i want to fight i really do um, mm -hmm. but it's going to be the same day as the Phoenix open. I think though, which is kind of interesting. So I'm going to compete in the Phoenix open and then hopefully do fight to win that night too. <laughs> that sounds yeah, exhausting. The crazy thing too, is they're doing gi and no gi in the same day for IBJJF. So I would assume if you're on the fight to win card, you probably shouldn't sign up for both because you might not make <laughs> Tell me I won't. Tell me I won't. Tell I me I won't do won't. gi, gi absolute, no gi, no gi absolute, and then fight to win in one day. I won't say it. It'd be legendary. It, it would be legendary, wouldn't I? Just yeah, lose yeah. all of it. Don't win a single <laughs> fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's cool that Jake did that, but he didn't really, like, like it I'm wasn't. Prove the... everyone wrong. <laughs> I just prove everyone right. <laughs> Tell me I won't. <laughs> do, do you want to do IBJJF too? Because you haven't competed in the new IBJJF rules yet. So you think that would be a fun, fun tournament for you? Who, me? Adrian. No, Adrian. Oh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd really like to do IBGF. I need to start doing more IBGF. I feel like still it's just more respected than anything I've been doing recently. I mean, I think, like, I'm fighting pretty high-level dudes, and I feel like it has been helping me a lot get some exposure, but there is still a big stigma around, like, sub-only events that, you know, just, like, the IBGF people who are, people who are fans of IBGF don't really give them much credit. Mm -hmm. Like whatsoever, it's kind of like, oh, you won that. What is Sapatero? <laughs> I think that the more educated people will pay attention more to the name that you fought yeah. and the pedigree of the person you fought than the tournament you fought. I think if yeah. if you fought Keith Krikorian in a Naga, no one's gonna go, oh, cool, you won Naga. They're gonna go, oh my gosh, you beat Keith Krikorian, sick. Yeah, like, no, it's true. I mean, so, like even like the submission bullpens that I've been doing. Um, I fought PJ Barch recently, like mm -hmm. like not even like four months ago. I fought PJ Barch. How'd you do? So um, we fought to a draw. It was like sweep, sweep. Nothing happened. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome though because he's been yeah. killing it. He's on. He's on who's number one. Yeah, I know. He's like what? He's definitely on like the pound. I mean the one eighty five. Like, I think he's top ten. 
Is he point. 185? Yeah, I think he's he usually Nikki. 185, yeah. I think he fought Nicky Ryan at 180. Oh, that kid's a freaking beefcake, dude. Nicky Ryan got all big. <laughs> that kid is a beefy kid. All right, I do also have this issue when you watch like the younger generation up and coming and are just horrified because you are nowhere near as good as they were at that age. Mm. Like when I watch like, like, all right, so I was watching these eight-year-olds, Barambolo. <laughs> it was horrifying. I'm like, those aren't children. Those are midgets. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? tiny men. <laughs> this is a hoax. <laughs> watching Mika Galvao beat a black belt when he was 14 years old and being like, what the heck is that? I was like, yeah, who is no. the kid? And now he's brown belt. Friggin' what, like 15 now? I'm just joking. But uh, brown belt, and he's like 17. he's 17 years old, and he's killing it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't like that the future of <laughs> like I'm gonna be. I want to be masters so I can have the 30 year old excuse when these freaking 14 year old kids are able to <laughs> kick my butt. Yeah, I'm masters too, so I never have to face anything. You know exactly. You never have to. I'm gonna the the day I'm gonna make Danny do a, a super fight with some other masters competitor. On a super fight show that I get on, I'm gonna make him. And I'm gonna. And I'm gonna also, they they don't they don't look like kids. Like, uh, what's Nicky Ryan doesn't look like a kid until you look at his face. Yeah. Like, just a jacked dude. That's what he looks like. And then you get to his face, you're like, oh, that's a kid. Yep, that is a child. <laughs> no, for sure, it's crazy, man. Like, I, I like their back is all big, and they're just working out, like, and eating, uh, drinking protein shakes probably eight times a day or something. Freaking nuts. <laughs> It is kind of crazy. And I think that that it's like a reminder that the physical aspect, like at the highest level, there's also a physical aspect of jujitsu. And I think that the, the timeless classic saying of technique over strength for sure, hundred percent still true. But if you're both really good, the stronger guy will have somewhat of an advantage. Yeah. If you're both evenly matched, that strength matters a lot. I've seen kind and Duarte muscle around Craig Jones before. And it's like he was just stronger, dude. Like that guy's just that guy's just a behemoth. Yeah. He like muscled Craig Jones to the back. And I was like, man, all right. He just took Craig Jones back because he wanted to, not because he yeah. had the opportunity to. And it it is hard. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know how much the technique over strength exists simply because we haven't figured jujitsu out yet. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, if there's ever a point where Jiu-Jitsu kind of narrows itself down into like a specific move set and like the same way like kind of wrestling has and I feel like then it will just be athletes winning mm -hmm. like technical people just won't be able to surprise an athlete anymore like it's so much of that surprise factor is what allows like people like me who aren't in the best shape who are kind of you know in I don't college. know yeah not not the most athletic sort uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> managed to you know catch people with really cool heel hooks you know, but I mean, like the more the sport advances, that's kind of disappearing. You're seeing more and more just athletes winning. Did you do any strength and conditioning training? Uh, not currently. No, no. You're pretty strong for not having any, <laughs> <laughs> strong for not having any strength and conditioning training. I was getting all tired. I was like, man, this guy's in shape. <laughs> Turns out he's in college. I'm like, damn it. I need to work. Hard. He's efficient though. He uses his brain. Yes. You should see Danny. Danny reads the nutrition facts on freaking like airplane snack bags. He's out here to say so concerned with his health. He looks at the 90 calorie bag of trail mix. And I'm like, Danny, it's going to be okay, man. Like, it's just a yeah, dude. No, it was, it was, it was like, you know, one of those pretzel cheese it Cheetos in their hybrids that Southwest airlines gives you. Oh, and Danny's like dead, like really reading it. And I'm like, dude, man, it's okay. It's 90 calories. <laughs> He's like, I'm keto right now. I get <laughs> oh, then you just can't eat it. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> He's not really keto. He doesn't, he doesn't do oh, keto. Okay, all right. <laughs> Adrian's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you don't need to read the nutrition facts. What's wrong with keto? you? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Hey, man, how's everything been at, uh, at 12th Street Jiu-Jitsu? I know you recently um, you started training there, and you, you've been teaching there, right? Mm -hmm. How's that been, man? Oh, it's been great. Um Jose uh, Munoz, you know, the, mm -hmm. the guy who... Uh, biggest chest in jiu-jitsu. Biggest chest in jiu-jitsu. Strongest man I've ever met in my entire life. Have, you haven't rolled with him, have you, Jake? Oh, you've, you've fought him before. I've, I've competed against him on several occasions. Okay, that... Unreal how oh, strong ridiculous. he is. He picked me up with his back. 
one day I had him in a triangle and he picked me up, not with his legs, but with his rounded back like this. And I was like, that guy's strong. Oh my gosh. Unreal. He's yeah. unreal strong. But no, he's been really good to me. Um, I'm now sort of the head instructor. Um, that's kind of like what I do right now. Um, yeah, it's been going great. We are having new students coming in. Um, everybody's getting better. Like, it's really fun to watch like your baby white belt starting to turn into okay white belt. Some of them get promoted to blue belt and you're like, oh, you're, you're, you're okay. You're now a human, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> timeless. You know. And what's your name again? It's been fun. I'll remember it now. Okay, cool. <laughs> Derek. Oh, man, I was calling you Steve this whole time. White belt, you know? <laughs> I love how Brazilian black belts legitimately did that for like the longest time. Yeah. Like they just made up names for everybody. Did you ever have like a nickname? All, um, no, I was, I, I, I never had a cool nickname in jiu-jitsu. I mean, a funny nickname in jiu-jitsu. Uh, my first instructor wanted to call me Holeta because my guard reminded him a lot of, um, is it Roberto Magalesh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to like nickname me Holeta. Megaton used to call me Andrew because he couldn't pronounce Adrian while he was screaming his head off. He used uh, to embarrass, used to embarrass the crap out of Mackenzie. Um, yeah. Uh, Danny, you should tell Adrian your nickname. Oh, I have a couple, but my <laughs> Tomach because my face turns really red. Oh. Really <laughs> my nickname when I was uh when I was green belt up until I was brown belt was Bishubuhu and that essentially means dumbass in, in Portuguese <laughs> because I used to get in trouble when I was uh when I was 14, 15. I was living with my parents and uh, obviously and uh I used to get in trouble at home and they would take away my jiu-jitsu. They'd be like, you can't go to jiu-jitsu today. And I would get all upset. And Andre would be like, why did you not go to jiu-jitsu yesterday? I'm like, I didn't take out the trash. And he just goes, bicho burro pra caramba. And I almost said the curse word version, but bicho burro pra caramba. And then, uh, and then he just started calling me bicho burro. Even so much as I won a big match. And he said, boa bicho burro. And people like looked at him super crazy. Like, did he just call his student a dumbass? <laughs> but yeah, that was my nickname. I only lost it when I turned black belt. I finally killed it. That is the policy. No, I wish I had a nickname. I never stuck around long enough to get a funny nickname. You just have a cool <laughs> ass name. So everyone just... Nez, everybody just calls yeah, me Nez. Everyone just calls mm. you Nez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, even Danny, when whenever I would talk about like, not either our match or the time, what you did at Sabatari, be like, hey, I'm going to call Nez. He's like, let's get Nez on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I started calling you Nez. <laughs> Everyone just, calls me Nez. Eventually, it just happens. It's hilarious. Yeah. I don't even know how they find out my last name. <laughs> <laughs> just magically happens. <laughs> like, hey, you're Nez, right? It's like, what's my first name? I don't know. <laughs> I remember when you first came to GG Jiu-Jitsu, someone was like, oh, Nez is going to be training with us today. And I was like, Who? And then you walked in, so that's I just knew you was Nez ever since then. You never told me it was Nez. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't. I, I have a multi uh, syllabic last, I mean, first name, and I actually find that kind of useful. I don't know. I have a weird theory that if you have a multi syllabic name, it's very difficult for people to hide how they're feeling about you at that exact moment because they have to go through all the syllables. So it's like, Adrian. I know exactly how you feel about me right then. Oh, wow. That's yeah. deep. Yeah, like Jake. This is the opposite. Yeah. I have yeah, a singular. And my name's not Jacob. So it's, it's just Jake. So they have, to, they have to just say, Jake. Oh, yeah, huh. <laughs> Dang it. Now I'm going to think about that all day. You just ruined my day. <laughs> so what else do you have coming up besides? Because I'm assuming you're going to try and get on both the Phoenix Fight to Wins. And then, like you said, you want to do the IBJJF. Is there anything mm -hmm. else coming up that you like either a super fight you want to apply for or an IBJJF that you want to travel to or anything like that? What about nationals? Are you planning on doing that? I don't think I'm going to end up doing nationals. Um, I want, I don't want to do an IBJJF until I'm back down to 175. Like I, I don't, I feel very outsized at uh, 188s. Like I just, I don't yeah. feel like I'm big enough to do it. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, I might do the Phoenix Open, just because it's so near us. Um, I'm trying to get onto that Sug Absolute Division thing. It Dude. just seems like I got enough people to call her directly to maybe, like, get some interest going. So, hopefully that might happen. I'm hoping. They did gonna, answer one of my stories directly, so I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to message work. her today and uh, and also say it, too. So okay. Because I, I forgot that that would be a good idea. It's Boss Lady MMA. So, actually, you know what? Why don't we just do this as well? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this right now, um, you can message Boss Lady MMA on Instagram and uh, just t send her Adrian's Instagram handle, which is at Adrian Nez BJJ, no spaces, no capitals. Um, and just let her be like, hey, this guy needs to be in the SUG uh, absolute because I actually saw. Oh, um, shoot. I don't even know. Uh, it's coming up next, I think the end of next month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, winner will get um ten thousand dollars, right? 10, and a shot at one Mason Fowler who has been ducking coming on this podcast for a while. So you know what, Adrian? Get him. Do it. I really I really want to beat Mason. I think I can beat Mason. I, I really want to fight Mason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, all right. Um, but yeah, dude. Uh I definitely I saw that you wanted to be on that. I was like, all right, cool, easy peasy. Um I didn't know that you you normally so so let's say ADCC trials because I know you're gonna do that. Yes. Um, you'll probably be competing what seventy seven kilos then, right? Yes. Yeah, because eighty eight would be one ninety five. Yeah, that'd be. I, I'm really undersized on that one. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I did that last time. I think I made it to quarterfinals, and then Hunter Colvin actually beat me in quarterfinals. Really? Yeah. Good, good yeah. Yeah, he's a good friend of ours too. I like Hunter Colvin. Yeah, he's a pretty good fighter. Yeah. He's rough, isn't he? He's he's a thick boy. He's a thick. <laughs> he fights rough too. Like he like puts yeah. his forehead on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I had a lot of fun fighting him. I I oh, that that match is one of those matches that definitely like you know sticks in the mind for me. I he caught me with a, a rolling Kimura. So. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So, I felt caught. You know how when you don't feel like you lost and you just kind of walk away from a match like. If I just wasn't so dumb, I wouldn't have lost that match. <laughs> Paying better attention. Yeah. Yeah. But no, all all the credit to him. I've seen him land that on some really good grapplers. So obviously, you know, it's not luck, you know. He just won the uh the P what is it, the PGF. Yeah. The Professional um, Grappling Federation, I think is what it's called. He is that where that. he uh took Elijah Carlton's back in really cool fashion in that match. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He's got some cool stuff. He's got some cool stuff that he's coming up with. Yeah, Shoot, I'm man. actually I'm actually uh, scouting a lot of his uh, back takes off of leg locks, just to make sure that I don't get my back taken. <laughs> he's in the. Is he in the? He's not in the LFA, is he? Is he in LFA? I don't think it's LFA. Last I heard, he was not in LFA. I, I forget what the promotion was called. I I'm gonna look after yeah. after this episode because uh, man. I, I, I think he, I'm gonna look it up right now. Yeah, I don't want to misspeak either. I do that quite often. Um, <laughs> the less I can misspeak, the better, because I'm kind of oh, good he, at he it. He is an LFA. I'm sorry. Aha! What does the LFA stand for? Arena. The Legacy Fighting uh, Arena. Arena? Is it a arena? Uh, maybe I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Association, so, probably. Yeah, or Alliance. One of those I know it's Legacy, like Legacy Fighting Association. I think it's what it's called. Mm -hmm. I think Arena is a better name. They should just give me a job. <laughs> I'm joking. I apologize um, for saying you're not in the LFA. You definitely are. Hunter Colvin is a is a, a country boy too. But yeah. Anyway, um, dude, we're we're super excited. I mean, I definitely want to see you get on uh, some more shows because I I feel like um, ever since I, ever since I saw you win Sapatero, I'm like, all right, cool. That's like the start of something. You know what I mean? Because because that was that was a big win. And that, I mean, Josh LaDuke in, in that corner of the United States, he's known for putting on events and like people who, who do well at his events usually go on and do well at other events. And um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for Nogi, up and coming Nogi grapplers, especially like who's number one is the quote unquote gold standard of Nogi Superfight shows now because of the, you know, the free exposure you get just being on the show. I mean, look at Andrew Wiltsey. That guy's getting, you know, Joe Rogan's talking about him because he was on who's number one. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that is like a really cool model for other super fight shows to follow. Uh, and I think it's really exciting. So we'll de we're definitely, we're going to do everything we can to help you get on these shows. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that'll be awesome. Okay. I have one more question for you, actually. So you talked about dropping down to 77 from 88. You did the trial. I think you did the West Coast trials, right? When you yes. did it last in 88. Who are some of the guys that you want to fight in 77? Because I feel like there's a lot of really, really high-level guys in that division. And I think Mo even said that that division is pretty much filled. The only way you're going to get into ADCC is if you win one of the trials for 77. So do you want to talk about some of the guys that you think would make for really interesting fights? Um, I'd like a rematch with PJ. Like, I'd really like to fight PJ. I mean, I think he'd have to be... I don't know if he even has to qualify, but like that's definitely like one of the guys that I want to drop down to fight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of the top guys I want to fight, and I definitely just want to. I I mean, my my curiosity is I I know I can beat the majority of people who are going to be at trials, and I think I can win trials. Mm-hmm. It's when I hit that sort of elite level that I'm mostly curious about. JT, like how would it, Dante, JT? Wagner. Well, Wagner, I think is going up, but JT, Don, potentially Nicky Ryan. Yeah, those guys are the guys I'm interested in. I mean, it's like there's that element of like when I people. By that, I just mean people who will have to qualify. I I watch them and I'm intimidated by their movement. Like I watch them, like oh man, that guy looks really good. When you finally like grab them, you're like oh. This is just a human being. They can move them about and get the sub. Typically, when you fight somebody who's like an elite, like JT or somebody else like that, you touch them and you feel the difference. It's it's definitely just apparent. I don't know if you've felt that too, Jake, at all. Like, there's just yeah. something different about the structure of an individual at that level. Uh, mostly in the gi for me, because in no gi, mm-hmm. I haven't had the uh, displeasure of getting heel hooked. <laughs> or anything like that. Um, but like when I fought Azaki Bayens at the World Series mm-hmm. of Grappling, that was ridiculous. I felt like I was fighting a superhuman. Um, Hudson Mateos as well, I fought super reserved because I felt how strong he was. I think the mm-hmm. biggest example was Michael Liera, though. Michael Liera felt uh, leagues ahead of me in, in competition maturity. And I talk about it on the show. We've actually had him on the podcast. But that was a big wake-up moment for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to do Nogi. Like I'm, I'm, I really want to get back into the scene. Yeah. Uh, and compete a lot in it. I think but... you could do really well. I, I think you have a very exciting leg entanglement style. And that's like the hardest thing for people, I think, when yeah. they transition to Nogi is that sweeping people is really hard yeah. in Nogi. It, it, yeah. You have to have complete control over the lower body. Mm-hmm. So like that single leg X style that you use, I think, translates very, very well. I just have to, I just got to drill. I got to drill and I got to roll and I got mm-hmm. to study and uh, that's where conversations like this really help. Uh, moreover, it just looks fun. You know, it looks like a fun. It looks like a fun time to be part of the the nogi rise right now. It's and also I've been doing gi competition for like ever. So much less tiring, dude. Really? So much less tiring than the gi. Oh my god, the gi is so tiring, dude. It's half the reason why I don't do the gi anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been competing only gi for like ever, man. And then I saw, you know, I just, I just see how. No gi's growing, and it's not. I don't think that no gi is ever going to grow bigger than gi. Or sorry, I don't think no gi is ever going to replace the gi. Will it be bigger? Maybe. I don't know. I can't judge that. But replaced I mean, it. I do wonder. I do wonder for. I mean, I don't think replace ever. Yeah. Because I think yeah. there will always be people who prefer watching the gi, and yeah. the gi does have its own charms. Yes. But the the problem of fifty fifty is only solvable with heel hooks. Like that—that's the big problem. Like it, it's so boring to watch two people in fifty-fifty if they're not allowed to heel hook each other. Yeah. What do you think about allowing heel hooks in the gi? I think it'd, it'd be fine. I think it'd be fine. I, I don't. It's actually harder to get heel hooks in the gi because the sleeve control and yeah, you, you can just—you actually need distance to apply a um, a heel hook. So if you just pull somebody in closer to you, it's very hard for them to actually set up grips on your heel. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's just insanely difficult, actually. Like, um, inside Ashi kind of becomes a funny position in uh, the gi. I've tried doing it before, and I've had just people, like, literally yank me, and we're just laying side by side one another, and I can't yeah, reach yeah, the like, heels. Yeah, That's a legal position. That's yeah. a legal position in IBJJF. Yeah, 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 it's, just, that, a like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just a back step. Yeah, it's just a back step. Yeah, out of uh, the negative half guard, you're right, you're right. Yeah. 
I'm definitely excited. And uh, dude, if you ever if you ever have a, a seminar or anything out here in Arizona, I'll attend so you can learn some stuff. That'd be cool. Yeah, Adrian's a really really good teacher. I remember asking him a lot of questions about Baron Bolo. I was I asked you some heel hook stuff too uh, here and there when we would do Nogi together. But yeah, if you get an opportunity to learn from him at 12th Street or if you ever do a seminar, definitely let us know. We'll post the link and all that type of stuff because you're a really good teacher. Really oh, knowledgeable. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's any, actually uh, one of the areas I oh, – go, go ahead. What was that? Well, I was just going to ask if there were any, like, sponsors or friends you wanted to thank. But but go ahead. You can finish your thought. Oh, uh, no. Not really. Not right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no. I mean, Jose, of course, is providing me a place to train. Uh, and teach. It's also allowing me to teach, which is awesome. I'm develop teaching is basically like the best way to get better these days. You know, I mean, it's, it's so hard to. There's definitely a limit. Like a competitor can't teach all the time, but insofar as actually forcing an individual to examine what's going on at the basic level, like there's nothing better than teaching. So, yeah, yeah. I feel really like that's true. when I started to really improve. Is when I started to coach a lot was when mm -hmm. like I my jujitsu all of a sudden all of a sudden what you were talking about with like being good at one technique it's like I started to see improvement in like butterfly guard mm -hmm. because all of a sudden I was teaching butterfly guard and I'm like oh wow I, I can do that you know so yeah. I think that a lot of competitors probably do get a lot better through coaching and I mean like Danny saying that I'm a good teacher I mean that's kind of interesting because one of the things that I've always noticed about myself before having to teach at 12th street was I was a good coach, but only for people above purple belt. Like it was like one of those things where it's like, if somebody asked me a very technical question about a very specific area, I would all of a sudden be an expert in that area and be like, Oh yeah, this is exactly what you do. If you were to ask me, how do you escape Mount? I'd be like, well, you bump your hips and you, you pull the leg in. <laughs> yeah, you pull the leg in. <laughs> like, what's so complicated about this? <laughs> it's Are you doing different. this wrong? I think it's also different too, because when I would ask you questions, it would just be like we had just rolled or something, and you maybe mm -hmm. move, and I'd say like, "Oh, that was cool. Like, how'd you set that up, or how'd you get so much torque on on the heel hook, or something like that?" Versus teaching mm -hmm. to a big group of people who all are at different skill levels, I think it's different. Yeah, different skill sets, and like you said, it's yeah. easier to break stuff down when it's like a very specific question. It's something you're already really good at that I'm asking mm -hmm. about usually. So, but I know I know you can teach to a group of. Yeah white yeah. belts blue belts black belts doesn't matter but but yeah i i just thought you did especially well with like the one-on-one -on -one setting or when, mm -hmm. when individuals would ask you questions as well yeah yeah no but it's definitely it's it's really expanded my game i'm really enjoying myself so yeah awesome. thanks to jose <laughs> awesome Any other well uh no, man. Uh, just wanted to thank Adrian for coming on the podcast. It's been a, like I said, it's been a long time coming, and uh, I've greatly appreciated the uh, camaraderie, the competitiveness, and the friendship over the last I don't know, freaking forever. Um, but yeah, dude. Uh, if you ever have any, ever want to come back on the show, let us know. Uh, I think it'd be really interesting if we did a like a watch together or if we did like an, a, a live analysis of like stuff that was going on during a show and we brought Adrian on. That'd be a really interesting idea because then it would, for, especially for Nogi Super Fight shows, it'd be cool to get your perspective and kind of build up your platform a little bit as well. Um, mm. But let me do the election performance ad and then we'll talk a little bit more about that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a notebook here. The hopes and dreams of Jake Watson. On every page, it just says one word, get thick. And the last page, it says, vein out. <laughs> if you want to do that, if you want to be good at that, if you want that to be a part of your lifestyle, if you want to make that in the forefront of your cerebral cortex, then you're going to need to contact the Duke of Deadlift, Alex Sterner, get on an electric performance plan. You will squat so deep that it will be an appropriate level of a level of depth so as to avoid knee injuries. But if you want to squat so great, so much weight on your back, you need to talk to them because you oh dude, your testosterone or if you're a woman, your general physical condition will improve so greatly that people walking down the street will smell it. They will be like that 
That's masculinity. That's not toxic either. It's just masculinity. Ladies and gentlemen, election performance. That was the worst ad I've ever done in my life. My like, goodness. <laughs> dragged on way too far. That when people were listening, like that, we're gonna see the statistics of the episode. It's gonna just stop. It just drops right there. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> One word. It's not even gonna be like a descent. It's just gonna be a wall. <laughs> just <laughs> anyway, I apologize for that. No, but uh, but yeah, that's an idea I wanna I think that'd be fun to do with Adrian. Yeah, that'd be cool, especially with like a fight to win that's local, where we pretty much know all the competitors. That'd be really cool to, to talk. That would be very cool. Event like that. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Sweet. All right, you got it. Well, yeah, thanks again, Adrian, for coming on. Um, thanks again. Yeah, this is episode ninety-six, and yeah, we'll be back shortly with another episode. Thanks everyone for listening, and like we said, if you can follow Adrian on uh, Instagram if he ever has a seminar or any events he's participating in. We're definitely going to share all that information. So just stay tuned to his social media channel and ours. And, yeah, we'll see all you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.